0: kicking and streaming we are live from the birdcage in sunny south beach florida i'm carrie i'm ross and here at the birdcage always remember you You are are family family too. too sing along done everything but say the title of the film that we are covering this week. All right. Carrie Ann, yeah. what are we doing? You probably guessed it. This week we are doing the 1996 gay comedy, The Birdcage. Guys, guys, we have arrived. We <laughs> have arrived. I, You know how long I've been wanting to talk about this film. I love this film. I've loved it for like eight years now going on a decade. <laughs> I just think that it's it's just a lot of fun. It's honestly just a delight. I had never seen this movie. I'm glad. I'm glad that you got to experience this in its entirety for the first time. Like, I can already tell that I've got a little, probably a little bit of a different perspective about this than you do, just seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. in the modern day. When did you first see this oh, movie? Oh, I first saw this movie when I was like, mm, I want to say 12. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Don't forget, before we get started, follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. And you can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcasts at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And this week, guys, instead of encouraging you to go leave us a review, I would like you to go back into the show notes. Just like last week, I'm going to copy and paste all the links I provided last week on podcasts hosted or produced by black creators, where you can find the same articles on how to be a better ally and general education about systematic racism. And, you know, guys, this is important. So please do that for us. No lives matter until black lives matter. That's exactly right. Ready to figure it out? Pitter patter. Let's get at her
1: are you crazy you can't get married it's out of the question we've been sleeping together for a year oh god has he been tested oh kevin yes and so have i oh uh, who's his father his father is in the arts you do an eclectic celebration of the dance you do fussy 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 you do martha graham martha graham martha graham you know, madonna 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 but you keep it all inside what does the mother do she's a housewife Oh, I could play it straight. You take your knife and you smear. Men smear. Smear. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Get the Ah! pinky down. I hold the knife boldly in my strength.
2: Oh, God, I pierced the toast. Call me.
1: Perfect. Won't you come in,
2: Senator Keely? Mrs. Keely, come here and give me a hug.
1: I've never felt such tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. Oh God, this a nightmare.
2: Oh. Get up everybody and it's oh. Something about the father and Mrs. Cole. I can't put my finger on It's it, nothing. It's, what do you mean it's, it's, it's nothing? It is Dad, something. Something
1: very strange is going on.
0: Get up everybody we are family. This movie's full of problematic stuff. Like, you know, there's some pretty gross racism and homophobia that's all but forgiven by the end, and they really play into a lot of the gay stereotypes that we're still trying to quash today. But it's one of the first American movies that actually centered on the dynamics. Of a gay relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they're not just gay men, they're business owners, they're performing artists, they're parents. Yeah. You know, it's something even more in depth than what I think Tu Wang Fu accomplished. The 90s were incremental, <laughs> they were chipping, God, a, chipping away at it one by one. The most ridiculously small baby steps. I mean hey in Two Wong Fu yes they were all proudly in drag but they weren't in relationships they weren't in rela- not really and i can almost guarantee that the stage show it's based on is also a delight oh yeah cuz i've only i've i've only ever heard one song from La Cage aux <laughs> the one i always make you listen to i am what i um. Yeah, because you liked you like John Barrowman in a dress. Oh my god! And you, then you like to hear him sing to you in a dress. He is the gay Disney prince we deserve. But do you know who wrote La Cage a Faux? I feel like I should. Well, Jean Perrault wrote the original French play. Yeah, like, I knew that. And you know who wrote the book to the musical? Harvey Fierstein. Harvey Firestein. That's right. Yes, I ma'am. did. I did know that. Yes. Harvey Firestein has many stops on this kicking and streaming journey, and we're glad to add another one to the mix. Guys, are you ready to welcome back to Kicking and Streaming for the umpteenth time, Mr. Robin Williams? Yes! Uh, is this like the four, third or fourth Robin Williams movie we've done? One, two, three, four. Is this the fourth Oh, my God. There was... Possibly fifth. There was Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. There was Jumanji. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's Tu Wong Fu. He is in Tu Wong Fu. He was in the movie that we just did. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ross, yeah. I had forgotten about <laughs> I it. I know. I know. I had absolutely forgotten uh, about th- it. Th- something is nagging at me saying that there's one more involved somewhere, but I don't know. We've got... <laughs> You know him as the coach from Hoosiers. Oh, my God. And the president from Absolute Power, Mr. Gene Hackman. A significant percentage of our audience is in Indiana. And if you're from Indiana, you know who Gene Hackman is because you've seen Hoosiers at least once. And it's almost never by choice. <laughs> They make you watch it in school. Yeah. Right? yeah, when the teacher is hungover. Yeah, or it's you know, or the gym teacher. It's raining outside. But hey, he was Lex Luthor in Superman 1978. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh huh. And not to mention Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Also in absolute power with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you playing Six Degrees I'm sorry. over there. I love making the. I love connecting the dots. We're gonna have to play Six Degrees competitively on this show eventually. <gasps> we should have like a. Ooh, we should have like a game, a competition. No. Oh, we should like have Gavin like pick two names and Uh then like whoever manages to connect the dots fastest wins. We have your favorite meerkat, Nathan Lane. (laughs) Oh my God, she's here. Guys. I love Nathan Lane. You know Nathan Lane from childhood subjects such as Stuart Little, The Lion King. (gasps) Ross, I forgot he was in Stuart Little. Carrie, he's Snowbell. Snowbell. (laughs) Drop him right now. Yes. Oh my God! Um, you guys have to know him as Max god. Oh from the god. producers, which we have to do. You know the actors in this movie give us a lot of films that I would love to do. Oh, so. these are all theater people. I know, like it's know. it's excellent stuff. Not to mention his. Excellent portrayal of lawyer Effley Bailey in *The People vs. O.J. Simpson*, <laughs> which you know how I feel about *American Crime Story*. That was the most out of left field thing was, I had ever seen, but it, it, it was is, great. It is captivating television. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Okay, we've also got. Sorry, I'm saying all. I always say all the names. Do you want to say some names? We have Diane Weese, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever seen Diane Wiest made fun of in pop culture. And that's not fair, honestly. Diane Wiest's subjects I know well are this. Edward Scissorhands. She's Peg in Edward Scissorhands. She's, um some dame in Bullets Over Broadway. I don't know her name. She's in Radio Days with Seth Green when he's like 12. She played a DA on Law & Order SVU. Did for, she really? For a couple of episodes. W- was yeah. she was she a strawberry shortcake like she is in everything else? <laughs> yes. Okay. She's a rather precious, harmless looking old white lady and like but she talks like real big. Like it's great. Do you know who Dan Futterman is? I don't know. Uh, who, is that Val? That's Val. Do we have to Yes, he's he's a very important part of the story. I hate Val. (laughs) I'm looking through his filmography. I'm not seeing a single thing. Oh, he played one of Will's boyfriends on Will and Grace. Okay. And he was also in, he wrote Capote. What? Really? The movie Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, fine. I just don't have to like his acting. I (laughs) am. Oh, he was in Political Animals. That's right. I lo- You know how I like political animals. Sigourney Weaver. Mm. Who's Callista Flockhart? I hear her name associated. In... Oh, no. When I saw the name Callista Flockhart, I was like, is that who that is? She's Allie McBeal. Oh, my God. She's Allie McBeal. We have so dated ourselves just I'd, now. I honestly didn't know where I knew her from. <laughs> Not that I'm an Allie McBeal fan or anything. You were like a baby. But remember, the Allie McBeal woman is the woman of today. <laughs> remember that? Hank Azaria, he plays about 30% of the characters on The Simpsons. He's so talented. He's so freaking talented. He is very talented. I just wish he wasn't famous for doing a lot of problematic stuff. (laughs) In their second kicking and streaming appearance. Betty! Hi! Hi. Christine Baranski. Guys, Christine Baranski is just like the cherry on top of this. That is <laughs> She's I the am... cherry on top of everything. It's like this movie would be fine without Christine Baranski in it, but nobody else could bring Christine Baranski, but Christine Baranski. And guys, there's something about a United Artists film that just—it <laughs> just really makes me snap. This like, is not the first time this has come up. <laughs> what was the other United Artists film we did? That I you... like United Artists. You said the exact mermaids. Yes, yeah. that was it. Girl. Guess how much money this film made? Tell me. It, okay, let me do my math. <laughs> <laughs> let me do my math. That where the smoke's coming from. It ma- oh, <laughs> it made a hundred and fifty-five million dollars. That's incredible. I know. Do you think there's like give oh, me some of that money? Do you think there's like some weird voyeurism there? We're like this is obviously a Trojan horse to like normalize gays to the straight population, right? Yeah, and like you know they just go because it's literally something that never gets showed. Yeah, you know I just I think it is I think it is a pretty decent adaptation of like the French stuff, and you know there is plenty of great arguments that the French play and the French musical mm-hmm. they're better, but you know it's because the French have always been more sexually enlightened of than course. we are, of course. You know, and so they just have better. It's just better. Guys, Louis Fourteenth, the Sun King, he was king for like 70 years or something like that, like literally his whole life. He... Doing dudes the whole time. I believe it. Like, up till his last breath. <laughs> <laughs> up till his last breath! I'm kidding, I don't know. So, the fr- the French story, basically, is the uh, son of this club owner in Saint-Tropez. His parents are the gay, wedded owners of this, this nightclub in Saint-Tropez. And he wants to marry the daughter of very conservative member of the national assembly oh. in France. The gays are very much the socialists and the it's it, there's actually more of a political element to it in the French show, but and you know, kind of just choosing between right and wrong, you know, when it comes right down to it and it's it's basically the same story. But I love that it's been adapted for America no matter how problematic it might be. <laughs> so, you know what I love? The whole <laughs> camera on plane Flying towards the shore. <laughs> Across the gulf? Yeah, you, I, can, you can see Birdcage getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Ooh. We're somewhere warm. <laughs> <laughs> we are in South Beach, Florida. We begin with a busy night at the Birdcage, a local gay bar and drag club in South Beach, Florida. Guys, through like the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, South Beach was where if you were a Floridian gay, you were. Yeah, all you, of you were the, there. All of the Florida gays gathered right in the urethra of Florida. <laughs> To live and party you. it up. I hate I'm sorry. so much. That's a w- I'm sorry. South Beach is a glamorous place. <laughs> we don't have to call it the urethra of Florida. If Florida's the dick of America, the New Orleans is the scrote. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the... They're like the balls. All right. All right. <laughs> Subject change. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so We have Armand Goldman. Oh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams is a gay Jewish man. He has a fake mustache that is frankly just a crime. He owns, operates, and writes the shows for this night venue. Guys, drag shows are really taking off in recent years and I think throughout like, you know, through even starting in like the 60s and on through to now, you know, things didn't actually kind of blow up in drag until the 90s so I think that this was like a very prevalent time to talk about this. You have Two Wong Fu the year just before this came out mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, you had this movie come out where I think, I almost feel like it capitalizes on Tu Wong Fu. It's piggybacking a little bit. And it's like someone watched to Wong Fu, saw Robin Williams in it. Oh no, he's the same character! I mean, kind of the same character. Yeah. Kind of. He's more docile in this film. <laughs> he is. He's not nearly as racist. Like, Armand <laughs> is the voice of reason yeah. in this, and he's not always the character who's the voice of reason. He's, he's also not always right, but we'll come back to that. Armand is flitting about the club because he's nervous because it's a big night. The club is packed. Oh my god, there are drag queens. There are gays of all shapes, colors, and presentations. There's Kennedy? There's Kennedy's but the younger ones
2: (laughs) I'm on The Kennedy's are here again for supper Third time this week you want to pick up their uh, tab Ted? No it's the uh, Younger
1: ones Wish we could get Ted Give him a free round of coffee The shade
0: of it all. Uh, The Kennedys are here again for supper. You want to pick up their uh, tab. Armand spends, like, this whole movie absolutely clenched. Yeah, I know. I know. There is not a moment where his asshole is not clenched up. I know. And I don't think I see him relax once. Like, managing the club is very difficult, I'm sure. And on top of that, we have Starina, the problematic diva. Starina, or albert as he's known out of drag albert is armand's partner and they live together in the apartment above the club she is playing the diva game in the apartment like refusing to go on i love nathan lane i love nathan Nathan lane there was no one else there was literally (laughs) no one else that could have brought albert to life the way nathan lane does in this movie and you know another improvement over films we saw last week nathan lane's actually gay yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have actual gay people playing gay people. Yeah. Like, sometimes I don't know about Robin Williams. I don't know. Man. I think, think he's definitely, I think he's persuaded both ways, honestly. <laughs> it would make so much he's sense. He's too much of a human. You I know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh oh. I'm not saying you straighties. <laughs> I'm not saying the normies aren't human. <laughs> I'm just saying. Is that problematic? It is. For me to call them straighties and normies? I think it's problematic to refer to straight as normal in any way. Uh, okay. All right. It's very unnatural, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> that's reinforcing heteronormativity. But isn't that being ugly, calling it unnatural? I don't know, man. I just know that, like, we cannot endorse Guys, heteronormativity. The great gay debate goes on. <laughs> Anyway, and so we get this silhouetted image of Agador Spartacus rushing down the staircase. <laughs> He's their Guatemalan houseman. Yes, he is. And you know what? You know what? I just have to say Go ahead. Hey, Casaria. <laughs> you love his look. I just—he's fine. <laughs> he's always in the uh, booty shorts. I'm just like—I I, I only know you behind the Mo. Mic- yeah, I know you behind Mo's eyes, like Mo's tavern, home of the world, smallest, smallest on-screen TV, and like you see this person in these denim cutoff booty shorts, no shoes, and like a crop top, and he comes down and informs
1: them, zero. Estarina won't go on. She's still in her role. Oh, damn! And uh, please, I don't know what happened this time. Go upstairs. Try and get her ready. I'll be right behind you. Now.
0: Armin says you need to go get her ready. Sends him back up, and so he tells the stage manager, "If she's not ready by such and such time, tell Carmen to be ready to do her number." <laughs> Armand's done this before. And, <laughs> yeah, Ar- Armand's had to go through this before, so. We get this. We get this next cut of Albert under a blanket or a dress or something on his literal fainting couch. I love it. I love it. And Albert is so dramatic. I know. Like if, there, if you were to look dramatic up in the dictionary, <laughs> Albert's picture would be Nathan next to Lane it. as. Albert would be right there Albert is distressed refusing to go on Albert is positively done with life <laughs> He thinks Armand is cheating on him Albert is having an existential midlife crisis and he is expected on stage at Starina in <laughs> less than five minutes I love it Armand literally busts the door down <laughs> Albert!
2: Are you trying to ruin me? Don't look at me I'm hideous, hideous Fat and hideous. (laughs) The way he can
0: just shriek the decibels. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the volume inside this bus, the volume in this motion picture is astronomical. (laughs) At Nathan Lane. I love him, though. (laughs) It is perfection. Like, screaming. And he's, don't look at me. I'm hideous. (laughs) Fat and hideous. And Armand is like, shut up. You look beautiful. Get dressed. Albert is, like, kind of my id. Just my complete base self, devoid of social code or (laughs) self-control. Like, just the me inside screaming. Like, that's Albert. If there's one thing about Albert... He is unapologetically him. He is! (laughs) And number one, Albert is often insecure and suspicious about Armand cheating on him, right? Mm -hmm. And after thinking about it a while, I don't think Albert's entirely wrong to be suspicious. Like, for one thing, Albert has no security when it comes to the ownership of this club. Mm -hmm. they're obviously, gays couldn't get married yet, Mm -hmm. so they have no legal protection under the law. Yeah, Armand's the sole proprietor of the club right now. And, you know, so there's that insecurity. It's number two. I think Albert is very uncomfortable with the fact that Armand has a history, however brief, of sleeping with women. Uh Uh-huh. And I'll make my case throughout. But basically, it starts here,
2: where, where Armand comes in and Albert says, Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. I
0: think, you know, I'm going to say this now so you can all watch this happen as we go along. I think that his anxiety about all this really comes from a place where Albert does not consider himself effeminate enough for Armand. Yeah, there's some like intersectionality going on here with uh, queerness and fatness. You know, th- especially in those days, mm-hmm. to be part of the queer community, it usually helped to be insanely good looking. Yes, and you know sometimes that just Gu- doesn't happen, guys. You'll if you watch the movie, you'll see in the scenes where they're out and about, there is not a single unattractive <laughs> single. They're, they're, they are all stoic and beautiful and carved from marble. <laughs> And I think it's because in those days when society had progressed to the point where gays had stopped being illegal and now they were just the butt of the joke all the time. Yeah. And disease ridden vectors. Yeah. Those were the days when many openly gay couples would fall into these heteronormative gender roles on some level of desire to not be considered other. Which, in this case, would make Albert the, quote, wife. Yes. And I think Albert struggles with being exactly what he thinks Armand needs. I could be totally wrong. No, I think that is definitely valid. There are definitely other valid interpretations of those lines. It's a lot to unpack, but that's my personal interpretation of it. So they're hooting and hollering, and the stage manager comes flying into the room. Do I send Carmen on for Starina? (laughs) And then Armand just is like... He knows what he's doing. He <laughs> yeah, he so knows. Nice. We have no choice. Albert just goes, no, not Carmen. How dare you? <laughs> and so Albert agrees to get ready. So I love that, like, when Albert's sitting in the mirror. No. I love this whole speech. This is the beginning of the body dysmorphia.
2: You should just play it. Indifference is the most awful thing in the world, Armand. I've done everything I could to make myself attractive for you. I've lost and gained... Over a hundred pounds in the last year, I've yo-yoed from a 16 to a 10 to a 16, and you've never said a word. I love the way that he's like,
0: indifference is the most horrible thing in the world, Armand. I'm like, oh my god, it's so much drama. With the powder puff. (laughs) But I get it. Now that you mention it, I can see, I'm seeing that point of view more clearly from Albert. Albert literally looks Armand in the face and goes... You don't love me anymore, Armand. And Armand's like, "Oh my God!" Well, he thinks she—he's cheating on him. Yeah, and because like, what? What's his basis for that? That they only drink red wine. I saw a bottle of white wine chilling in the refrigerator. <laughs> I only drink red, and so do you. Your Albert impression—I love it. So, Starina I know. makes her stage debut. Guys, the number gets ready to haul out. Armand gets on the mic, gets on the speaker, and it's like,
1: "Ladies and gentlemen." The one, the only, the incomparable Starina.
0: And guys, Judy Garland's entry theme starts playing, you know I went nuts! (laughs) And oh my god, the animal print muff and hat. The shoes that are very grizzabella. I know. Oh, it's a great look. There is a lot of fur. There is a lot of fur. And I don't really like that much fur, but you know what, Starina? You go. You get your own style. I'm not your director. She is beauty. She is Grace. She is Miss Gay United States. Oh, and she charms. Oh, she does. Oh my god, I love Starina. I would love to spend an evening with Starina.
2: I would too. Oh, 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 oh where are the adorable couple celebrating their anniversary? Oh, mon congrats, you sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like I'm being kissed. I know, you know what I'm
0: saying. <laughs> it's very, it's very endearing. This is the way of drag queens. They know how to endear themselves to you from the get go. It's all about audience interaction, it, man, it's and being. And about... you, the more seasoned a performer you become, you can turn it on and off, and turn them on and off at will. Mm-hmm. It's great. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Albert starts singing this number. Armand, like, sneaks away. Yeah, Armand makes a big show of, like, being backstage so Starina will relax. And when she gets into her performance, she forgets all about him. Yeah. Armand who? He takes off upstairs back to the apartment. Can we talk about the wallpaper in that hallway real quick? I feel like I'm in the Golden Girls. It is the same wallpaper Blanche had on her bedroom wall. I can't believe we had the same thought. Imagine that. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) With the palm frond leaves and everything. I'm like, it is Florida. Right. Like, this is very florid. It's so it's so appropriate. I love Agador. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Azaria in the Lucy wig yeah. mopping the floor. It's an eternal cleaning. You mode. love this song, don't you, Carrie? I do. <laughs> Bone chicken body gonna do the samba. Bone Can chicken, you name who sings longer. that? Can I name who sings that? Yeah. Oh no, not at all. Gloria <laughs> Estefan. Oh yeah, Gloria okay. Estefan. Yes. Armand sends Agador away because Armand is preparing for company. Yes, and we're like, ooh, is he cheating? The white wine we heard about. Yes, He's pouring it, and it's just like, oh, great. He's out on the patio. There's a pool on the patio on the second floor apartment. We have, like, candles lit. We have glasses ready, and you're like, is this motherfucker cheating? And this gorgeous, very young man. I don't know about gorgeous. Okay, fine. He's gorgeous for the 90s. Let's go with that. I will say this, Dan Futterman does look a, considerably like a young Robin Williams. It, it's believable. And and then they have this, like, embrace, and you're like, mm, <laughs> what's going on? Girl. And it, there's, like, a few lines there when they're getting greeting each other. You're like, what's going on? And you think you, they're gonna kiss! And then you realize it's his kid. Yeah. It's his son. Val. <laughs> Val's here to tell Armand that he is getting married.
1: First of all, you're only 20. Look, Pop, I know. I'm young, but, uh, I mean, look—you've always said I was a very level-headed guy, and I am. You're right. I mean, I have job offers. I know exactly what I want my future to be, and I mean, I have this incredible role model. Oh, please, no, it's true.
0: He doesn't want them getting married young. That's like his major hitch. But he, like a good father, supports his kid. I bet there's like a resentment there because he can't like marry. Yeah, you know what I mean. He oh. can't. He can't marry his partner. Like, they can have a civil union, but, like, they can't get married. Yeah, I didn't consider that aspect of it. Yeah, and I'm sure there's parts of Armand that are resentful of that. All right, now we have to talk about the horrible white conservatives. Oh, my God. Okay, so we we then go into meeting Val's... Fiance, Barbara. Barbara Keeley. So they meet at college, and that's how they know one another. This is Calista Flockhart, right? Yes, it is. Barbara's parents are very, very conservative socialites. Gene Ackman is here, everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody, get your trainers on.
2: <laughs> are you crazy? It's out of the question. You can't get married. You're not even 18.
1: Uh, who is this boy, Barbie? When was the last time you saw him? Please don't call me Barbie. This afternoon at two o'clock. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin! Yes, and so have I. Oh!
0: And, like, he is just full of these microaggressions and these blatant racist, sexist outbursts. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Yeah. He is a pill through most of this. Oh, no. We're supposed to we're supposed to take him as one. And I'm, I think it's hilarious because Gene Hackman's a bleeding heart liberal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he enjoyed every moment of I'm this. I'm sure he did. Getting to make fun of the people he did not care for. She, does, I mean, we don't get to know Barbara very well as a character throughout this. I know. I feel like we don't get a lot from her. Yeah. And so it's, it's difficult to to tell where she is exactly. Most of Barbara's narrative structure is to be the lie. Well, yeah, she's a prop. Welcome to women in movies. Because obviously, during their courtship, They had to strike up the conversation of, I have two gay dads. Oh, my father's a Republican senator. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, I wonder what that conversation was like. And like, you know. So her conversation with them about getting married is going very different. Absolutely. It is ridden with lies. Shall we go through the lies one by one here in this first bit? Sure. Lie number one. His father is a cultural attaché to Greece. Not a drag club owner. Yes. A cultural attaché to Greece. I think she thought she could get away with that because of the mustache. Bad on you, Barbara. Yeah. (laughs) Lie number two. His mother is a housewife. Wrong. His mother is Albert. Yes. And she is a drag star. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. Back in Sal Beach, Val has gone to bed in his old room and Starina comes upstairs in full Judy drag. I'm I'm very sad we missed that number. I know! (laughs) I want to know what that was! She is full of accusations when she sees that white wine. Uh Aha! Who is he? Who is he?
2: (laughs) Who is he? Where's your little chippy? Stop screaming. It's Val. Val?
1: Go check. He's sleeping in his room if you don't believe me.
0: Oh. And like immediately, immediately the guard is down. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, well, okay. And the first thing she does is go into his room and tidy up, tidy up, pick up his clothes, pull his covers and kiss him on the cheek. It's so cute. Mm. And oh my God, it's great. During breakfast the next morning, Albert comes in the door laden with groceries and a new attitude. Yoo-hoo, bag lady. <laughs> Albert is really excited that Val is home. Yeah. Like, you know, that they are such a cute little family unit. This is where Armand tells Albert that Val is getting married. And just like Armand, Albert thinks he's too young to get married. Albert begins to hyperventilate. He's just a baby. He's too young. He'll
1: ruin his life. Listen, we've been through all that, all right? Bottom line is he's getting married
2: no matter what we say. So the less said, the better. Oh, my God. Oh, I woke up feeling so good.
0: The fake wheezing. No matter how problematic either set of parents is, they both hate this idea. Yeah. They're both very, very, very against this idea because Barbara is 18 and Val is 22. I remember. I think he's 20. Oh, he's 20. Yeah, that's right. He's 20. And I'm just like, whoo, that is young. That is very, very young. That is very young to be getting married. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm saying it's rare. All of our grandparents got married at that age. By the time our grandparents were our age, they had two kids. Stop that. Stop that right now. Sorry. (laughs) Like, breakfast at the Keeley's is a lot less tranquil. Okay, so... (laughs) Okay, the Keeley's live in this plantation house in the middle of Ohio. And they are in this very Cracker Barrel-esque style room eating breakfast. And they're watching television. And it is a little C-span panel that Senator Keeley has been able to put together, and it's him and his very close colleague, Senator Eli Jackson of Virginia. They're ranting and raving about the fact that they funded this thing called... It is the coverage of their uh, founding project, the Coalition for Moral Order.
2: Now, when I and Senator Keeley here founded the Coalition for Moral Order, it was to express moral moral rather than political views. Uh, I think what Senator Jackson is trying to say is that morality is political. The abortion and same-sex marriage. Oh, I hate
0: these people. I hate people and that think they have a monopoly on what morality is. It's four white men on this panel. Uh, and they're yelling. Yeah, they're and yelling. And you can't understand what anyone is saying. They're just yelling about very controversial issues to Republicans. And him and him and Louise are staring into the television blank face, and you just see Louise go, It's a wonderful show. <laughs> It's like very enlightening. This is the smartest thing on television. I love the chemistry between Diane Weast and Gene Hackman. Oh, it's good. And like because they really sell how awful they are. <laughs> they do! And, but like, and you, like But mean, the they, thing is, they're just so problematic. No, because they're worried about their image. Yeah. They don't care about Barbara. they they're worried about their image all the time. The phone rings and Keely answers it and it's his campaign manager <laughs> and he has some A very bad news. Jackson's dead. One of my least favorite lines.
1: Kevin, you cannot be held responsible for Senator Jackson's private life.
2: Louise, I'm the vice president of the Coalition for Moral Order. My co-founder has just died in the bed of an underage
0: black whore. (gasps) Oh my God. Excuse me, Miss Hackman. Like, I know he choked on that when he delivered that line, but that is so fucking gross. That's why I have zero empathy or sympathy for this person. And you're not supposed to. I know. You're not supposed to. It's just... mm, Don't get me wrong, I know. So yeah, Senator Jackson, I'm glad he's dead. Bye! Yeah, Senator Jackson didn't need to be plaguing our world anymore. No. We now have a scandal! The media is gathering outside the Keelys' home because they obviously want his comment on this disaster. And this movie does a, a good job at portraying the very trashy side of the media. Oh, especially in the 90s. I know hard copies there. I didn't see their truck, but I know they're there. The National Enquirer is there. Mm -hmm. We meet Harry What's-His-Bucket. Oh, God. (laughs) A reporter for the National Enquirer. he's a a potato. He (laughs) He looks like a straight tuber. And he is... I don't remember that actor's name, but he was on Frasier for a while. So media has descended on Camp Keeley, as they're calling it. Keeley is literally using a ladder pushed against the back window to enter and exit the residence. He's, he's, he's really trying to avoid the media. Mrs. Louise Keeley. Yes. She's trying to literally, she's trying to sell Barbara's marriage to Val as a plus for this whole mess. Because Val's dad is a cultural attache to Greece. Remember, lie number one? Yes. And, you know, here, and she thinks this is gonna be a great way to dissociate themselves from this scandal. A wedding is, a white wedding is wholesome and reaffirming and renewing. I also hate that they keep calling this a scandal, it was a crime. It was a sex crime. It, you know what? You're right. Yeah. It was a, a, a rape, yeah. essentially. And so, and so here comes lie number three. Speaking of really problematic shit. This boy, what's his father's name?
1: Armand? Coleman? Really? Well, I wonder if they're related to Tish and Bobo Coleman. Are they from Boston? I don't think so. Well, I think we should go down to South Beach immediately. We should have dinner with them and spend the night with the Bushes. Barbara tells her
0: mother that their last name is Coleman, not... Goldman To detract from the fact that they are Jewish. Like, listen, this is not the first time I've seen this portrayed. Remember there was that episode of the Golden Girls? Yes. Where uh, Dorothy cozied up to that author that she loved a lot, only to find out that she goes to a social club that doesn't allow Jewish people in. Yeah, that's some shit. And, you know, I don't understand where that comes from. That is definitely something I should do more research on. But that's awful and gross. Mrs. Keeley proposes that they go have dinner and meet them in order to improve their image. Yes. Okay, now we're at rehearsal. Oh, my God. Do you love this scene or do you love this scene? Oh, oh my God. The, The piano fluttering... We're inside the birdcage, like, in broad daylight. We're having a rehearsal. Albert's on stage with this male model who is underwhelmed to be there. Celsius. What is that his name? That's his name, is Celsius. Oh my goodness. Albert is getting frustrated because the model is, like, not mirroring his energy. Yeah. She's like, I can't work with this. Celsius is
2: mocking Albert at every turn. (laughs) Let's just try and get through it. Well, you always ask so much of me. I have to understand every nuance of a song. I have to give a full-out performance, but everyone else can just get through it. I mean, he's chewing gum. Chewing gum helps me think. Sweetie, you're wasting your gum. (laughs) Best line. (laughs) Best line. My favorite line.
0: (laughs) Val finally manages to get Armand's attention long enough to take him up to the apartment and rap about the fact that Barbara has lied to her parents. Yeah, and it's like the night before. Yeah, this is poor timing.
1: What, is this something I don't know? Some Nazi are you? No, oh, no, he's conservative. You know, I mean, like half of America is conservative. But I'm not marrying him. I'm marrying her. I need your help, not for this. You've done it before. What? Lied about who I am? Never.
0: Val basically explains to Armin that they have to degay the house. Yes. They have to take everything queer or exotic, out of the home and make it look much more severe. And the most hurtful thing... Oh, God. ...is that Val suggests to Armand that Albert be sent away for a few days. Armand is not having this. Yeah. And I'm on his side. First of all, he's not trying to be anybody other than who he is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care who Senator Keeley is. He's like, Mariah Carey, I don't know her gift. He's like, I don't want to be somebody else. No, Val's just like, you have to get rid of all the dick sculptures and you have to get rid of Albert. Yeah. And Armand gives this nice little speech before going back to rehearsal.
1: Yes, I wear foundation. Yes, I live with a man. Yes, I'm a middle-aged fag. But I know who I am, Val. Took me 20 years to get here, and I'm not going to let some idiot senator destroy that.
0: Robin Williams is using that tone, mm-hmm. you know, Wait, that yeah. that tone when he's really trying to be genuine and mm-hmm. come from somewhere inside that uh, that's one of his special qualities. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear right there. Back at the Keelys, the media is rabid. Yeah, Th- this guy, the-, the guy we mentioned before, Harry from the National Enquirer, he is bribing their chauffeur to ask where the Keeleys are preparing to go. Oh, the National Enquirer, redefining garbage. Like, why were they even worried about this idiot? No one takes the National Enquirer seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they do. And but it's upsetting that those people can vote, but anything honestly. Anything for the story. And so the Keelys are getting ready to leave. And Keeley wants to go out the back window down the ladder <laughs> so he doesn't have to face the press. And Louise is like, no, I don't want to go out there alone. And he's like, you'll be fine. Let go of my God It's not you thereafter. Men are weak babies. (laughs) Well, he gets his because he gets halfway down the ladder and the lights turn on and the bulbs start flashing. Mr. Keeley, Mr. Keeley. The press
1: literally catch him on the ladder. (laughs) My family and I are leaving town for a few days uh, uh, for reasons that I I, I cannot uh, to... To plan an event,
2: uh, an
1: event which uh, I cannot, uh, (laughs) which may perhaps heal some of the uh, bad uh, things that uh, Senator Jackson's demise has made us all...
0: The media is right there, and he is so unprepared, he's just rambling incoherently. They're just asking everything about Senator Jackson and the scandal. But the most interesting answer, National Enquirer guy asks, where are you going? And of course he lies. To our farm. We're going to our farm because you know you could you just had a farm and yeah. I'm like sir are you guys still already on a farm? <laughs> do you have a farm too? It does look like a big property. Like where's farm two and why do you need it? So now that you know this is the this is the cheese right? This this reporter latches onto this lie mm-hmm. and he knows there's a story there. Back in South Beach, Armand is sad drinking. Yes, at, at, at the, his own bar. Yeah, <laughs> because he's having a clash of consciousness. Mm-hmm. He. Wants Wants to be authentically himself, but he also wants to make Val happy, which is just like Val, whatever, get over yourself, exactly. And he comes to the conclusion that as a parent, he needs to do this for his kid. Mm-hmm. And Val is Val hears him telling Agador to get rid of all the boisterous decor. It's it is an extreme display of selflessness. It is like like a total display of selflessness. And Val comes to the door, and he's like, "Pop,
1: thank you." Do me a favor, Val. Don't talk to me for a while.
0: Val deserves the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed treatment right now. Honestly, I hope he freezes to death on that cold shoulder. I mean, yeah, can we talk about how Val is a total cock throughout most of this? Like, he's just so, I just... Like, I, he does not take any pride in his parents. I get it. He wants his his future wife's parents to like him. But it's far too compromising. And it's too much. It's too... Having grown up... With them, it's too much yeah, and, to ask of them. And definitely hurtful. Like, yeah. Definitely so, so hurtful. While Armand and Albert are on the beach, Val is helping Agador and all of their club friends decorate the apartment. Yeah. They... And Val sees them trying to bring in, like, severe-looking artifacts. He's like, <laughs> somebody put porno in the bathroom? Yeah. Like, who Playboy. Put, who put Playboy in the bathroom? Believe it, it's what they read. <laughs> It's like two queens haul in this giant moose head. (laughs) It's like, where did you get that? I got it from that store across the street. Too much. <laughs> Albert and Armand are walking back to the apartment, and Armand is trying to come up with every excuse not to go home because he knows what's happening at home. Oh my god. And so he's fussing with Albert. Albert will not stop dragging him back to the apartment. <laughs> and when they finally get up there and they open the door, play Al- the scream. Albert <laughs> devolves into a horrified scream. Just sit down on
2: the <laughs> We've been robbed. Albie, no. I've no, I, I just taken a few things out. They'll all be in place by the time you get back. Back?
0: Where am I going? Uh-oh, Armand forgot to mention! <laughs> the smile on Armand's face, just like the... Hmm. <laughs> just like the, I hadn't gotten there yet, Val. Fuck. Well, where am I going?
2: <laughs> I
1: know. Val's fiancé is coming tonight with her parents and we thought we thought it'd be better if you weren't here I see
2: it's just for tonight I understand, it's just while people are here
0: and then Albert's like, oh I understand it's just why people are here yeah. <laughs> Like, they shouldn't have to do this in the first place, but that would be a better way to explain yourself. And, you know, Albert gets really offended, and he should. He should. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. This is very hurtful. They're embarrassed. It's honestly affirming to everything that Albert has been feeling. Yeah. Yeah. He is not enough. He's not enough. Yeah. (laughs) And... He just leaves, and Armand runs after him. No, like... The shot where they're walking down the street in South Beach is so distracting. Look at all that ass! There are so many absurdly hot people everywhere. No one is actually wearing clothes. Everyone's in some level of bathing dress. What are you doing out here with all this ass? Like, bikinis, like, floss bikinis. Or double-cheeked up. Trunks. Out here, sunshine and hella ass. No one's wearing any shoes, and when they are, it's rollerblades. Everyone is on skates. (laughs) Yeah, it's Miami, it's Florida in the 90s. Bailey Shelton, girl, (laughs) teach me to roller skate and let's go to South Beach. So, this is the beginning of Armand's instruction of Albert into masculinity. Yes, because they stumble into a restaurant and they sit down to eat. It's like there's food already there. Did you see a waiter bring them food? Because they know them. I bet you that Armand and Albert are very good friends with Versace. Okay. They're those gays, you know. They're those South Beach gays. They're very well known. I bet Versace's been to the birdcage tons of times. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because Armand doesn't want to do this to Albert, he thinks that if he can teach Albert to be masculine, he won't have to exclude him because they can just pass Albert off as Val's uncle. Mm-hmm. And they and this is where we really start playing with this the harmful stereotypes mm-hmm. because again, in the nineties. We were still embracing a lot of the stereotypes about gays. The effeminate mannerisms, Mm -hmm. word choice, how they walk. Albert can't put his pinky down to do anything. I know. There's always a pinky out. (laughs) When in doubt, pinky out. out. That's right, Patrick. That's right. Patrick said gay rights. (laughs) Stop that. He (laughs) did. And then Armand is like showing him how to smear mustard on toast. Men smear. Get the goddamn
1: Ow. pinky down. I right, make your fingers like iron. All right. Yeah, and stop trembling. Oh, Hold the knife boldly. Yes. and strength.
2: Ah, oh God! I pierced the toast. So what? Oh.
1: The important thing to remember is not to go to pieces when that happens.
0: First of all, mustard on toast. Albert can't even do that. No, he like. <laughs> Albert, oh God! Like, I pierces I'm... the toast with the knife. The noise he makes. Oh! I mm. pierced the toast god and then he just loses it and armand's like you can't get hysterical you get hysterical all the time (laughs) yeah did you see me get triggered just now like don't be hysterical because hysteria is the greek word for uterus stop that Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry fuck i know i know So we go back to the apartment and Armand and Val are trying to come up with a solution that doesn't involve sending Albert away because the masculinity lessons have not worked. We've decided that Albert is going to be the uncle. Armand gets the idea that they should reach out to Val's biological mother, Catherine, Mm -hmm. to pose as his mother. And because, like, we were wondering, you know, Val had to come from somewhere physically. He obviously didn't physically come from Albert. And this is where we're going to get the backstory on, you know, how Val came to be. Mm -hmm. We meet Catherine Archer, played by Queen Christine Baranski. Like, I love the first shot we get of her while he's on the phone with her. Oh, my
1: God. Armand. I don't believe it. It's been a hundred years. Where are you? I'm on the road now. I'll be there in five minutes. I can hardly wait.
0: They literally haven't spoken in like twenty years. Like uh, Yeah, since literally since she pushed the baby out. And does she run a modeling agency? No, she runs an athletics company. Oh, okay. Or a sports company. She's a '90s power woman. She it, is. It's great. Very Charlotte Pickles. Yes. Armand and Catherine met in the theater. Yes, they did. They were both in something. They were both in something. They, funny happened on the way to the forum. They went to school together. Yeah, and Catherine was Armand and Albert's surrogate. Because Armand and Catherine had some brief history. Yes. Like, I think. I it's think, very Will and Grace. Yeah, I think Catherine was, like, super into him and tried to, like, you know, advance on him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what the hell? Why, Why not? Let's we'll, make sure. We'll try it with a woman. Yeah. See, see what the straight... Cut, the line is, let's see what the straight guys are going on about. Yeah. It didn't stick, so they remained friends. And Catherine's actually excited to help them out. It, I know. She's never really done anything for Val other than give birth to him. Exactly. Which, hey, I'm not trying to... And so I'm not trying to take away from that. She thinks that this is going to be... You know, something nice. At least one nice thing she can do for him. While they're pouring the champagne, Albert is in the waiting room being so fussy that they're in there together and they're taking a long time. He's already having some thoughts. Also, every Albert look is kind of serving. Oh, it is. I'm just like, wow. From the, from the eleganza to the casual. There's not a look I don't love. If I was a South Beach gay, I'd probably dress like that. I know, right? Yeah. The meeting... <laughs> Turns very physical. Um, some sexual um harassment, in my opinion, ensues. Seeing Armand again for the first time in a long time, they're drawn to each other. She is still very sexually attracted to him, but he is. I he only like he only wants her as like. A singing buddy. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, this starts with a soft shoe and ends with her, like, putting her hand down his shirt. Commenting on his chest hair volume. The actual carpet. Like, it has a pile. It's so thick. And, like, Albert waltzes in and sees Catherine's hand down his shirt front.
2: Excuse me.
1: I'm sorry, Miss Archer, I couldn't stop him.
0: Albert? Gets in the convertible, drives off without him. The gays can't drive. (laughs) Albert cannot get that car started. (laughs) Ah! He's got the parking brake on He's so huffy (laughs) I love it though He deserves to be Armand manages to get the bus back to the apartment (laughs) Val and Armand are excited that Catherine's gonna help them pull off this charade Albert comes in Oh god. And he's like, I just came back to get a few things. <laughs> I'm leaving. He came back to get his toothbrush. Why is he only packing his toothbrush, Ross? Because he's going to the cemetery. <laughs> the drama <laughs> Alright, I'll bite.
1: Where are you going? To Las Copa. Las Copa? There isn't anything in Las Copa but a cemetery. <sighs> I know.
2: That's why I'm packing light.
0: Nathan Lane plays this part so well because that real, like that, you know how we talk about everybody being an onion. Albert is an onion. Mm-hmm. He, he's he got this outside that's very dramatic and feels very intensely. Ogres and drag performers have layers. Yes, <laughs> I guess. And But what I mean more is that we're seeing a new depth to Albert mm-hmm. in this bit. Uh, underneath, So all, dramatic still. I but know, like, but like underneath all the drama and performance, there's pain. He, there's pain that he's always the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And, you know, we're, we've been chasing Albert around for a while and now. Armin goes to, I love that Armin is like, I have to go after fucking Albert now. <laughs> yeah. So, Albert is at a bus stop. (laughs) I love the gigantic fucking freighter passing by (laughs) in the background the whole time. And you're right. Armand sits down next to Albert on the bench. And I think he starts that conversation with, you're a pain in the ass. Yeah.
1: That's true. You're not young and you're not new. And you do make people laugh. And me, I'm still with you because you make me laugh. So you know what I got to do? I got to sell my plot and keep Biscayne so I can get one next to you in that shithole Las Copa so I never miss a laugh.
0: Armand, in hand, has a palimony. The whole movie, Albert's been like, I want a palimony agreement. He's like, well, I don't have it on me right now. Is tomorrow okay? Like, yeah. Like, as a joke, but... Little does Albert know, he actually has one. He has had one drawn up. He gave Albert half the club. Yeah. And, you know, again, they don't have the legal protection of the binds of marriage. If something were to happen to Armand... Yeah. Albert would have no security. Albert would have no security. He would have to deal with Val, which I'm sure that wouldn't have been a problem, but that happens. And,
2: like, I love when Albert looks at the paper and he goes, It says... I have the right to give you half of everything I own.
1: Well, I thought it'd be safer if something happens to one of us. But who owns
2: it now? You two.
0: That would happen to people all the time. They're spouses. Would pass away, and then they may have to deal with their homophobic families yeah. who don't want to give them anything. Exactly. I cannot tell you how what a special thing that was in a time when gay people could not legally be married. Mm-hmm. you know, he manages to get Armand manages to get Albert back to the house, and Armand calls Catherine's office and tells. Imelda, the secretary, mm-hmm. that Catherine doesn't need to come to the apartment that night. We're just gonna deal with Albert, uh-huh. okay? And, you know, Val's upset, and I'm like, whatever, Val, but, you know, Armand's like, it was a question of Albert or your mother. And I picked Albert. And Armand is putting on this full suit and tie, and he catches sight of himself in the mirror. He's like, I look like my grandfather. He killed himself when he was 30. <laughs> Honestly, he looks like Robert Goulet Yeah, he looked Who was in La Cage a Faux He looks fun
1: Any last instructions? No Just don't walk Unless you have to Okay?
2: Try not to gesture Is that all? Don't
0: and I'm like, oh, my
2: God. Would you
0: also like him to not breathe or exist, Val? Y- yeah. Like, I just can't. This is where my patience with Val really starts to wear thin. Because mm-hmm. for the rest, of, for most of the rest of this movie, he's going to be so aggro. Because he's he's not caring about them right now. All he cares about is his little wifey. And I, I just, I I'm get sorry, it. I'm sorry, she's not that special. I just... Yeah. I, I would never ask my gay parents to be other than what they are for this girl. All right. That's fair. That's like, fair. <laughs> not for Callista Flockhart. Albert comes out of the bathroom in his own suit and he still- He looks very good. He does look good, but he's struggling with the walk still and mm-hmm. the feeling uncomfortable. And the pink socks. Oh, the pink socks. One needs a pop of color. <laughs> and it's like, they're just staring at each other for the longest time and he's just, What?
2: No good? Why? I'm dressed just the way you are. I took off all my rings. I'm not wearing any makeup.
0: It's not who he is. And he he literally is just like, I did everything you told me. I'm dressed the way you are. Yeah. This line cuts me in half because it's devoid of his normal brand of drama. Mm -hmm. And the way he just goes back into the bathroom and he's like...
2: I. Just wanted so much to help you. And you hate me. You both hate me.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. My God. So Albert locks himself in. Good. And Armand's just like... They deserve it. Armand's just like, thank Christ. Hopefully he won't come out at all. And little do we know that Val has rearranged, because Catherine has missed the first message. Yeah. And Val has rearranged... For Catherine to still come. So now we begin to move into the final act of the movie. Act three. <laughs> Albert has locked himself in the bathroom, and Val and Armand are just banking on the fact that he won't come out. Oh, and one more thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, my. And uh, speaking of Jewish, mm-hmm. Barbara told her parents her last name is Coleman. What?
0: Like, the doorbell is ringing. Yeah. And he springs that on his father? Oh, by the way, we're not Jewish. What? Um, Agador. <laughs> Has been transformed into the butler. And because like originally Agador was not wearing shoes, <laughs> I never wear shoes. They make me fall down. <laughs> Agador is walking around in these shoes that are one too big for him. And two, <laughs> making him fall on his ass every <laughs> like, five minutes. He's running to get the door. And he, he just pitches forward onto the rug. Call
1: me. Ooh. Perfect. Oi. These best shoes.
0: He opens the door to reveal the Keeleys. The first part of this is painful. Because they're just standing in the doorway, and right from the beginning we have contradictions about what our backstory is. Yes. This is Val Coleman.
1: do you. Is that Coleman or Coleman? Coleman. The D is silent.
0: For people in the performing arts, they sure didn't do a lot of character study before all this. The Keeleys are surprised to see that Catherine is not here. Yeah. To pose as Mrs. Coleman, and they're looking around at this very. They've hung curtains. It's almost like they're about to sit shiva. Yeah, like, I know. Honestly, like, yeah, they look like they're about to mourn. It's and a very dark, like a very severe looking scene with these six chairs around this narrow table that they're all going to sit down and talk. It's painful. It's, it's just so painful. Like think I about. I don't even want to go through all the ways it's painful. Like think about the office in the moments where you want to fall into a hole mm-hmm. as you're watching it. It's all cringe. It is. It's all cringe. And like, Senator Keeley's just trying to fill the silence. I know. And he's saying all these stupid, boring things about how beautiful the drive was. And he's just lapsing into America the Beautiful lyrics. Both sides of the family are as uncomfortable as the other one is. Like, There's this great moment where you can hear something
1: break <laughs> and Albert <laughs> yelp. There's someone else home. Just our dog, Piranha. We always lock her in when there's company.
0: You know what that sound is? Mm. It's the sound of Albert climbing out the window. But we'll get back to that. We get this shot of Catherine stuck in traffic. Armand's like, "Okay, we'll give her half. We'll give her half an hour. If she's not here, we'll just go on without her." And right on cue, Starina enters the apartment for surely the greatest performance of her career. Guys, I just love the here I am. Albert is in full conservative drag, like Dolores Umbridge meets Barbara Bush. Like Barbara Bush, Nancy, it's like they got together and had a baby. The shoulder pads and the blonde wig and the pearls.
2: Here I am. Oh, please forgive me for being so late, but the traffic was unbelievable. Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, I, I'm so happy to meet you at last and, oh, you must be Barbara.
0: The horror on Armand, Val, and Barbara's faces. Because they all know. Oh, yeah. All of them know. It's so... The only people that are none the wiser are Senator and Mrs. Keeley. Here's the thing. Albert hasn't been briefed on any of the lies either. Yeah. So when she says her last name is Goldman, we get to see just how great her improvisation skills are.
2: I thought the D was silent. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's uh, Col de or Cole of the Isle of Man in France, where Armand's chateau is, and coldman in Greece, where Armand's work is, and finally the vulgar Coleman in Florida, where Armand's home is. So actually, we don't know where we are until we hear our last name pronounced. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't with the
0: laugh. I can't. <laughs> It's so good. (laughs) She's falling right into this. And we sit down and just right away, she immediately starts playing into all the conservative tropes. What kills me is watching this gay man in drag enthusiastically agree with all of this troglodyte trash about how things about things that are demeaning and bigoted. And like she doesn't even blink.
2: Oh, I know. No, Albert is selling. Now, this is what Clinton didn't understand when he started in on school prayer and gays in the military. All That's right, ice for you. Now, there's an idiotic issue. Gays in the military. I mean, those haircuts, those uniforms. Who cares? <laughs>
1: no, you shouldn't be talking about things you don't know about. Val, don't patronize your mother. She's an amazingly intelligent woman. You know, I think homosexuality. A lot more ice for you. Keely is
0: playing right into it. He is falling for all of this hook, oh, line, and sinker. Oh, Keely's charmed. Oh, he's just... Keely is kind of into Mrs. Coleman. Enamored is a good word. Like he's into Albert. Yeah. I'm sorry. He like, is. Like, there's no other way to say it. He's going to have a Shang-Li moment here exactly. eventually. Oh, and Louise is so butthurt about it. Oh, Yeah. I think Albert has something to prove here. Yeah. I, I think Albert's she, like, she's I really got something to prove. Albert is totally passing as this woman. Yes. And, I, and, and I'm just like, oh my God. She's just like, suck on that, Christine Baranski. Outside, the National Enquirer has arrived. And they're doing some sleuthing to track down the Keeleys, and they've managed to ascertain that the Keeleys are definitely upstairs over the Mm birdcage in the company of a gay club owner and his partner. Yeah. To use use his words, it's Inquirer Heaven. We are Inquirer Heaven. Garbage. Back in the apartment, things are going rather swell. Like, we are having piano time.
1: I could have danced all night I could have danced all night and still have begged for more. You have a beautiful voice. I could
2: have spread my, my wings, wings and my flowers.
1: We're singing
0: My Fair Lady. I love it. Yes. I love that they're all dancing like Louise and Armand are on the piano. And... <laughs> Albert and Kevin are dancing. Okay. So Agador belts out the last notes of "I Could Have Danced All Night <laughs> with Them," and they're like, "Dinner is served." And we lo- we have to talk about the crockery. Oh my God! So we sit down. <laughs> we're looking at the we're looking at the bowls that are prepared for the soup. Louise is the first to notice. Louise goes, "Oh, look at these bowls! Why it looks like young men playing
2: leapfrog? Is it Greek?" Oh, I, I. I have no idea. I've never seen these bowls before.
1: Really? Barbara, get me my glasses, will you, dear? They're in my purse by the chair.
0: And just the look of horror on Armand's face. Like, it's not a
1: visual medium,
0: it, it's butt sex. These are obviously depictions of butt sex on these bowls. And neither of the Keelys can see. And they're like, Barbara, will you fetch our glasses? <laughs> Oh, my God. And we conveniently cannot find the glasses. Yeah. Armand goes into the kitchen to check on dinner, and Agador is in the kitchen doing his best. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's made this horrible sour peasant soup because he doesn't know how to cook. Exactly. He doesn't. Armand just thought he could. Uh Uh-huh. And Val comes in, and he's like, Dad, we've got to get back out there. Yeah. They're they're looking at the balls.
1: Dad, you've got to get in there. Everything is going to hell. He didn't make an entree. What? What what, what are you... What do you mean we just have soup?
2: Your peasant soup is an entree. It's like a stew. (laughs) What do you think I put so much in it for? Shut up.
1: Here's a note for Catherine. Go put it on the downstairs door. I've got to get back there before they eat enough to see the bottom of the bowl.
0: Agador's crying, Armand is yelling, and Val is also chugging I've the never cooking wine. so much go so wrong so quickly. They're praying for, like, the sweet, merciful release of death. It's all a mess. Now we've come to the part about the note, because now Starina's in. Yeah. Catherine can't show up. Mm-hmm. So... And so Val goes downstairs to put a note on the door for Catherine to not come upstairs. But of course, uh, yeah. the National Enquirer guys intercept it. Uh-huh. They're like, "This should be good." <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna be good." <laughs> Pop the popcorn. <laughs> And um, the rest of the media has arrived as well because I guess they somehow track down this inquirer Go team. where the inquirer goes. Yeah. <laughs> Hot story. There are news trucks blocking the street in front of and around back of the birdcage. This driver's making out like a bandit. Like everybody's handing him a $100. Yeah, he's to- like, where are they? Where are they? This chauffeur made so much money. Everybody thinks they're getting a scoop and he's just making out like a thief. Yeah. And by the way, I don't, feel bad for, I, I don't feel bad for them because of that. Like, I hope he takes all their money. And Starina starts pouring drinks. And when she straightens back up, She's losing her wig. Yeah. It's sliding forward on her head. Yeah. And, like, Armand, Barbara, and Val all simultaneously, like, jump up to fix it. Yeah. Everybody's shoving towards the bathroom, like, we gotta fix this. So all four of them decide they're going to the bathroom together. As a family. (laughs) So they (laughs) shut themselves in the apartment. And I just love Louise. Something very strange is going on. So... Kevin and Louise devolve into their own conversation about the suspicious nature of the evening. Everything is admittedly going a little weird. Yeah. Keely is immediately like, he's just in, he's so into her. Yeah, in, yeah, Into Starina. Kevin, you're rambling.
1: Well, it just makes me
2: furious. What kind of contempt he has for her. Did you see him when she was talking? He looked almost frightened. He doesn't even let her run the house. He's, like,
0: defending her honor. Yeah, I know. Like, because he thinks Armand is this oppressive spouse. Yeah, which, I mean, look in the mirror, Kevin. Yeah, no kidding! Uh, Look in the mirror, Kevin! Oh, and Mrs. Keeley is not having it. Mrs. Keeley is upset. I don't think I've ever seen you
2: before. What do you mean?
1: I don't even know who you are. You're not worried about Barbara. All you think about is your career. And poor little Mrs. Coleman...
0: She and she literally says the thing that needed to be said. Yeah. She's like, You don't care about Barbara. Exactly. All you care about is your career. And poor little Mrs. Coleman. <laughs> she's so angry I know it's when I it's when I realize in this moment oh everybody's hangry yeah everybody's hangry everybody took three bites of that soup and said no more no, thank you because it was cold and awful <laughs> and, like everybody's like stress eating beer nuts as they argue <laughs> yeah Keely's like they don't make women like her anymore yeah how she didn't knock him backwards over that sofa I'll never know so guess what guys bad news Catherine's here <laughs> ding dong hello I'm home! (laughs) The cringe fest is getting worse! Louise and Kevin are the only ones in the foyer. Kevin immediately assumes the worst. He's like, he's got something on the side. It's his mistress! It's his mistress. He can't wait to defend Mrs. Goldman's honor. They welcome in Catherine, and Catherine is playing the part. Catherine Goldman, I'm delighted to meet you. Please forgive me
1: for being so terribly late.
2: Sorry to take take so long, but Barbara wanted to see... What is she doing here?
1: Let me explain yes please do explain it to all of us Uh, i i don't want to embarrass this lovely lady but exactly how many mothers does your son have
0: and val who i did not expect to speak did you hear that bang on the floor just now those were val's balls yeah he finally grew some balls he steps up and he takes albert's wig off Mm -hmm. and he goes
2: this is my mother my father owns a nightclub downstairs my mother is the star what?
0: Kevin can't take any of that in. None of that goes in. No. And Louise gets it all at once. And Louisa goes, no, Kevin. No, Kevin. Kevin. She points right at Albert and goes, this is a man. (laughs) And Kevin goes, what? He cannot even process it. (laughs) And Barbara, don't you understand? They're gay. It has to be said for him (laughs) multiple times. The Keelys are like, Come on, Barbara, mm-hmm. we're leaving. Yeah, right before the Keelys try to exit the apartment, <laughs> Keely tr- turns around and
1: goes, Oh. I, I just want to say, uh, Mr. and Mrs., uh, Mr. Uh, whatever your name is, um, I hope this doesn't influence your vote.
0: And I'm like, They don't live in Ohio, Kevin. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's such a non sequitur. So they open the door slightly and you hear, Senator Keeley! The Inquirer guys are literally outside the front door. Waiting for a photograph. Now they can't get out without being photographed. Yeah. They can't just slip out through the nightclub entrance either because there's media on the sidewalk. Exactly. And so everybody's laying around because now we're in a doozy of a pickle. Exactly. Like, oh my God, T- talk about dramatic! Keely has like <laughs> taken to the fainting couch, and like Armand's like, I don't know what we're gonna do.
1: Dad, Couldn't the Keely slip out with the audience at the end of the show? No, oh, they're waiting for that. They'd be recognized in two seconds.
2: Albert at the window slowly turns and goes. Not necessarily.
0: And this is where I started screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, oh, we're going to put the Republicans in drag. Yes. Yes. Would you like to join my band, Republicans in Drag? Oh, my God. And so, oh, my I am living. I cannot wait. Okay. So, we start the We Are Family number down in the club, right? (laughs) Yeah. Armand Armand gets all of the staff in on it. And, like, all of the queens are taking turns coming out and, like, taking a bow. And they go down the front of the catwalk and start milling around in the club. Kevin's get up. (laughs) He looks like... Fairy godmother <laughs> is stepping out for a night on the town. I have in my notes: Gene Hackman is actually a very fetching woman. I mean, he's all right. <laughs> I mean, I think he's cute. Louise is dressed up just like Diane Weist's character from *Bullets Over Broadway*. Is that so? Yeah, like, I've never seen that. I like honestly, and <laughs> Barbara's in drag. Poor too. Barbara. I know. Barbara looks awful. Yeah, it's not a great look. We're dancing them literally out of the club. And like you gotta be natural, right? You mm. can't like run out of the club. You'll draw and, like, attention to yourself. This this, like nervous moment that Kevin's having. I live. He's this bouncing what- up and down, walking in between people going,
1: We are family. <laughs>
2: and he's so <laughs>
0: uncomfortable.
2: We are family.
0: It's my favorite shot in the movie. He's having a breakdown. <laughs> he's, he's enjoying himself a little bit. A little bit. He's like trying to get. He's trying to work his way towards the exit, and like he turns to Val and Barbara, and he's like, "No one will dance with me. I don't want to be the only girl not dancing." I didn't want to look fat. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. But then Albert, who is in a suit, yes, yes, comes up to Keely, uh. lo- looking very smart, and says care to dance, baby. Yeah. I just love it. They dance right past the news media. It's so funny. No one looks twice. No one has any idea who they are. And like out onto the sidewalk. So Catherine's in the getaway car. (laughs) The getaway convertible. Yeah. (laughs) And they all hop in Catherine's car. And the chauffeur who brought the Keelys to Florida is standing right there. Yeah. And Keely in full drag (laughs) hops over the side of that car and goes,
1: meet me in 20 minutes at the corner of El Dorado and Palm. Lady, not for a million dollars.
0: just drive away roll credits (laughs) it's remarkable to watch all of that play out because the goldmans didn't owe the keelys a single thing Uh, yeah and they still did the human thing and helped them they could have thrown them to the wolves and they would have absolutely just been justified And they would have deserved it yeah like that's something that's particularly characteristic of the queer community I think yeah I'm not saying gays love thine enemy because that's not even remotely true but there is this quality where we have having experienced so much ignorance and persecution queer folks sometimes would rather not sink to the level of uncaring and indifference as those who would hurt them exactly and we try to be the bigger person and break that cycle of hatred mm-hmm. and i just think that's wonderfully demonstrated there oh gosh. guys that's it yeah i know i'm sad that's over i know me too it's a lot of fun here's 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 what this movie means to me at least I love when queer shenanigans ensue. Because it's a gay farce. Exactly. I love me a gay farce. Nathan Lane's performance mm-hmm. is so... It's important. It's important and it's flawless. Mm-hmm. And it has this level of integrity to it. It comes from a real place. Mm-hmm. He's always been a fat gay on Broadway. Nice man. It's really hard to be a fat gay on Broadway. Uh, apparently. And, you know, its I feel like... Every part of that performance came from a real place. Mm-hmm. It was deeply authentic, and I appreciate it very much. Can I tell a sad story about Nathan Lane? Yeah. When he came out to his mother. Oh, no. His mother literally looked him in the face and went, I'd rather you were dead. <gasps> Oh my God. <laughs> to which Nathan Lane said he could only respond, I knew you'd understand. Oh, <laughs> Nathan. God, that's rough. It is rough. I think she became loving later. Later. Yeah. Later on. Maybe she just needed time. Yeah, she needed time. Oh, but, like, I'd rather you were dead. That God. What a heartless thing to say to a young person. To your child. A parent, especially, yeah. Fuck. I get where he's pulling that invisibility thing from, like, his mother basically told him, I'd rather you weren't around me. Yeah. I'd rather you weren't here. So I'm sure he did put a lot of himself into that. I, you know, I'd never seen this. Not not from beginning to end. Mm. I didn't really make that clear. I've seen some scenes. This movie can be problematic. And I, I hate how all of that overt racism and homophobia that existed like right up to the last five minutes is kind of just glazed over Mm -hmm. because that's kind of about comfort right yeah like we've been making fun of these these conservatives this whole time Mm -hmm. because supposedly that's probably who the audience is going to initially identify with in 1996 yes and then we kind of absolve them of that at the end so that the audience feels comfortable and i mean it is kind of left up in the air yeah, this- there at the end. Because, like, yeah, they got the Keelys out of there, but. I don't see the Keelys being warm to the Goldman's after the fact. I mean, Louise is crying at the wedding, but like, they just don't seem like they're overly joyed about it still. Yeah, I just feel like it's a way to make the straight white audience feel better about it. Yeah, and in that way, yes, that is problematic. I mean, they did a big thing for them. They did. And they saved their asses. I mean, I guess going ahead with the wedding anyway is a statement, by, is the a statement. Keeling, yeah. by the Keelys. It's public. Yeah. Bob Dole is there it's, for fuck's yeah, sake. I mean, yeah, United States Senator Bob Dole is there, so. So that is transparency on their part. Mm-hmm. I just love how this movie go like, with every new movie in that time that portrayed homosexuality, I feel it was just like another chip. It was another chip away. We go a little deeper every time. I mean, hey, there were setbacks. But we go a little deeper every time into portraying and understanding Queer folks from a human level and not as the butt of a joke. You gotta dig a little deeper. Okay, folks. <laughs> So for next week's selection, it's going to be a bit of a surprise. Man, you guys will just have to wait and see what we're doing next week. You got to tune in. <laughs> I can't wait to see what it's going to be. I hate to end queer film studies early, but Carrie Ann McMichael. Yeah. Do you realize that we have entered our 11th month of doing this? Yep. We're coming up on our birthday. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. I think it's July 10th. Yeah, something like that. And Uh so, you know, we're going to give ourselves a week off, start preparing for our anniversary show. Maybe there will be some civil disobedience. I don't know. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show, ask questions, make suggestions at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And once again, guys, I'm going to ask that you go check out that list of podcasts by black creators and producers and subscribe. Subscribe and leave reviews. Bolster those voices. Yes. As a white man, I have nothing to say. Good idea. Good Good idea. Yeah, good idea. (laughs) So let's take it out. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry sorry, mom.